This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. I'm ready. Me too. Welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. I'm Jeff Fader, and we were supposed to have Chris Cash today, but you know things were out of our control, and now I'm fortunate enough to have my uh, my buddy John Ariani, aka Genghis John, here. Genghis John's hanging out with me. Namaste. In. Fill, <laughs> namaste. Filling in. Namaste. Filling in. We were supposed to have Chris, and and I just got a little bit carried away with my anxiety, and he was. He, I was getting him all fired up. I was all fired up to talk to him today, and then all of a sudden, he, uh, he, I sent him a message saying, "Are you ready for Monday?" He goes, "What? Do I need a computer or something?" And I'm like, "Yeah, a Squadcast. What we use is you got to use a computer." And I sent a message to Craig. Craig says, "Yeah, you can't use a phone or an iPad." So it got to the point where it was just like, "Let's just." He's like, "Well, maybe I can borrow this." Or and I was like, "I can't. I'm too anxious. <laughs> Let's just. I'll push it away." And, it's fine. It'll it'll be fine. But it was. I immediately thought, let's just call John back up and see if he'll want to fill in. Even using a foreign device is a problem in itself. I mean, that's why I'm so late for this one. Like I went for the secure line. Like I'm at I'm at work and went for the the like the land Ethernet cable. But now I'm not using my computer, so I had to like get everything sorted out. Like you know, signing in and getting on the. You know, the microphone set up on this, it's like, it's annoying. You really, you know, you got to have to do it off your own equipment, I think. It's a production. Especially if you're a professional podcaster like Chris Cash. Come on, bro. <laughs> Get it together. Well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, give a little, I'm going to give a little beating of, I'm going to give Chris another beating. I, I love no, Chris. That, that was, that was the love tap. Then we'll, we'll go into the, the real hard hits. Well, it's the hard, the, they're not going to be that hard, but he, he actually something I've been overwhelmed lately, and a lot of it has to do with what's going on in the world. Besides just the, uh, you know, last week that giant explosion in Lebanon, that was crazy. That was like out of a movie. I mean, it was like so heartbreaking to see, you know, just the destruction of that that city, and it was terrifying. And then, um, you know, coronavirus is still a big part of of you know everyone's life right now it's you know i think we get a little bit i haven't gone anywhere for during this whole thing and we haven't i've been invited to a lot of things and i just passed because i'm just like i I just don't want to get involved and we have been dealing with you know my wife had we all had covid19 we all had the coronavirus back in april four months ago and we're still kind of like trying to pull it together but it's just so over it's so stressful it's stressful because you still don't have until you start driving away from where you were where you live and seeing other people dealing with it you're just like the vastness of what's going on is just kind of overwhelming yeah no it's 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 weird mm-hmm. like i've been i've been coming back to work you know in the city i guess for the past maybe two two weeks or so um you know with school the reopening was part of like phase four and uh so we're like slowly starting to let people back in really just like we have a whole a handful of students who were supposed to graduate uh in the spring and we're just kind of like letting them come and work on some of their you know uh their thesis show paintings and sculptures um but really trying to like limit like the bodies in the room but it's like weird it's weird you know i live in the suburbs and then i'm driving into the city and it's like way more people and uh you know, every restaurant is like these like pallet 
like they literally are using just the pallets to like section off a piece of sidewalk for some tables just yeah. to like just to serve some people you know it's some are nicer some are really nice i'm like oh there, there was a there was a niche market that i could have could have hit come oh, and yeah. build these like build these little uh banquette things on sidewalks oh my god pallet furniture i'm surprised like yeah all these like diyers and makers weren't like in the like the pallet furniture market because of, like, yeah all these brooklyn be- guys yeah, what happened, Brooklyn? Yeah, here's Come your on, chance. Man. You make all these furniture with the pallets, and you and where Ooh. are you now? Nowhere. Fucking hipsters, let's go. I tell you what, the, the restaurant business is so screwed because this they depend. I mean, not necessarily Manhattan, but like outdoor outdoor dining is nice, but like the restaurant business, especially up here, depends on the summer because the winters have been so bad, and it's just like. Well, what, yeah. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do in a couple months when it gets colder out? You know, dude, it gets over. I, I saw a video from uh, Mark Vetri, one of the, the king of uh, Philly restaurants, and and he was videoing everybody outside, and all the people at the tables were, had umbrellas because it was raining hard because of the goddamn tropical storm. Well, out, yeah, out by me, like it's it's like tent city, but there, you know, every single restaurant, it's like party rentals comes and builds this like you know a big top, like the you know circus came to town, but then. You know, it starts to rain, so you see now they put a wall up, and then they put another wall up, and like you know, all just like cloth or whatever walls. But you know, after a little while, you put up put up three or four walls. Like now you're inside, so like just let them go inside and be careful about the tables. Dude, uh, this all of it is very overwhelming, and it's, it's just very... it's crazy. I don't know what the right thing is, but well, the problem is is not to mention everyone. You know, I just moved my mother into uh, a new place and they you know and i every time i do anything or i meet anyone or see someone i'm always like putting this like this calendar mark of for two weeks and seeing what happens for two weeks and it's like i got her in and the day we were moving her in for some reason i've been telling her mom wear your mask mom wear your mask mom wash your hands wash your hands yeah i know i know and then the movers come she fucking shook every one of the movers hands i'm like what are you doing and you go, so go wash your hands because I was being nice. I'm like, I don't want you to get coronavirus yet, dummy. You know, it's like, come on. And then we moved her in, and then I'm like, patient. I'm pacing the place. You know, they 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 put the uh, everyone's got the thermometer guns, and they're getting it, getting your thermo your temperature from your forehead. But it's unnecessary. But it's like, if you have a fever, you're already too. It's already too late. A lot of that. I think that's all just for show. You know, it is for show. Well, yeah. Like I we I brought my kid to a, like a like a gymnastics thing because they they reopened and you know it's all social distance all that stuff but then they they're like scanning both of our heads when we go in the the girl didn't even like look at the thermometer yeah like she just is it's like goes to your head beep and they're like okay come on in like she didn't even look like if I have one of those thermometers it takes a second to like register and like calibrate and like it it's not just like boop and like you're good but the, now we're getting into the litigious part because that's what that is like. I think that you're going to start to see a lot of like lawsuits because so when you see the thermometers, then all of a sudden you can say we have something in place right. to show that we're doing something. But it's the whole thing is it's all unnecessary. And now we're getting into, you know, my kid's 15. She's going about to start her high school and they, uh, they just going to open the, well, the, here's the thing. They, uh, from what I understand, from my wife has been watching, you know, every day she gets like a report on what's going on is as of 
Last Friday, there have been, it's been three days since there have been any deaths from coronavirus in New York State, which is incredible. So no one has been, you know, it's maybe we're, we're doing well. But, you know, there have been no COVID deaths, related deaths in New York State for a few days. And that's a huge achievement. But it's like, you know, you still people are just fooling around still and and um, they're getting ready. For, and Cuomo said that he's going to start to do these phases in order to start open the school, which is based on these specific guidelines and phases. And, you know, every school district is going to be a little different. And it's like it's super nervous. Make You know, you know, it's not going to be full full uh full blast, full blast school you know you know it isn't you know that they're gonna no. well all these guys are trying to do these half the school half the knots half the kids in on two days a week and then half the kids on the other two days and there's gonna be all this distance learning you know it's just there's no way around it and that's when we get into the goddamn coffee i mean i don't say i say that with peace and love because it just became very daunting because we started to find out with the, the peak skill naacp that there are all these kids can't do the distance learning because they don't have their, maybe their parents don't, you know, some of them work at, you know, whatever, Walmart, Burger King. These are people who are, are working class people and they're just trying to make a living and they can't afford these kids to have computers. And with Zoom, you can't just have like a fucking, you know, IBM from 1996. I mean, you have to have, you know, it has to be updated so you can actually do it. I and, mean, some people, you know, Maybe you have two kids. Maybe you do have a computer and a decent connection, but you have two kids who need to use the laptop at the same time. And well, most you know? of the kids in these schools all have iPhones or, or or smartphones, and you can't do the homework in the you can't do the homework off the off the right. iPhone. You know, so that's when we started to do this with the coffee, peaceful coffee by the Fader Knives EDC, and we're going to put it towards this education initiative. But we got the bill, not the bill, but they told us what we need to raise in order for the kids to have you know, Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi boosters and Wi-Fi and Chromebooks and stuff like that. And it's like $300,000. And I just got like, I just totally like, I can't sell, I can't make $300,000 in knives busting my ass in a year. How, how are we supposed to sell coffee and make $300,000 in a couple months? It's impossible. And then it gets, and then, so all these other organizations uh, started getting involved in peak skill and we're just trying to push it. But it's like, People are, and, and then it's the funny thing is, not funny, but it's like, you know, this isn't just happening. Peaksville is happening all over the world. So there are all these school districts that are, ugh, it's just fucking overwhelming. And I can tell other people are overwhelmed because I posted a, uh, they made a flyer with all the different organizations that you could post um, to donate money towards making sure that some of these kids can make it happen because it's really not their fault. And I could tell by the engagement from my, you know, when I when I post a picture on, on Instagram of my knives, I get 700, 800, maybe sometimes 900, you know, likes sometimes. once. Look in a while. at you. Look at you. Well, I mean, when I posted the fucking thing about the goddamn, <laughs> the goddamn, here's how you can help us with the peaks of coffee and stuff like that, 120 likes. People are tired of it. They're, they're, no, they, people that it happens outside of all this. It's you post something different than what you've, what you usually post and like, People just, they, they like ignore it. Like Cliff and I talk about that all the time. Like, you know, he'll post something that's like fabrication and it's not like a fucking hammer and it'll get like a hundred likes. And it's like, if you really knew what he did here, if you took like a second to like look closely, it's like way more impressive than punching a hole in a piece of metal and putting a handle on it. You know, hundred percent. 
A total it's like it's not and it's just like another hammer that you've seen this is something different with my those camels i made i posted that at, like i didn't get nearly as many likes as i do if i post a hammer well i just it's so stupid you, you've seen so my hammers stupid. before it's so stupid look it's so stupid i'm telling you people so are stupid. stupid instagram you're all stupid <laughs> but 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 the but the thing is is like i was actually like trying to you know I put all those information out there and I was just like, man, nobody gives a shit about this. And, and I'm like, Ugh. it got super overwhelming. And then, and then uh, on top of that, you know, my kid's nervous about going back to school. She's like, we all had it. And we're wondering what the, what the future holds for our own, all of our health, which is that's makes us nervous as hell. And right. then, um, you know, and we, and she knows she's like, look, I'll wear a mask all day long. They finally Hillary and, and my kid found masks they actually like, and they can wear them. And my my wife wears an M95 mask every day, all day. She's got the the COVID mask face from from wearing it all day long. My kid will wear the mask, and she's just like, I know I know the people in my school. They're they're goofballs. They're gonna one person's gonna take it off, and they're gonna start to lick the table or something, and try to be outrageous. <laughs> and you know they're gonna be they're fucking they're fucking teenage kids. They're gonna goof around. They yeah, haven't seen I, their friends I, in six months, and they're gonna fuck around. I, I like get crazy because James, but the, the you know he's almost he's gonna be four like next week, and I just am like I go out to like home. I take him to Home Depot because it's like whatever. Let's get out of the house. Home Depot is yeah. a big place. We can be away, you know. And like he keeps that little mask on better than like an, an adult, like a full grown adult. You see him two seconds later, they're like, oh, I gotta pull it down under my, under my nose. Oh, yeah. I, I have it under my chin. I can't breathe. Like my three-year-old, four-year-old like keeps it on and just wears it like it's nothing. He doesn't I, care. That surprises me because I would think that a, ch- a young, a very young child would have a real hard time, would have a real hard time uh, wearing one. I, you know, I don't know about other kids. I mean, my kids like the best, so. You know, obviously, he just does what he's got to do. Yeah, he, um, he understands. <laughs> needless to say, you, um, you can't, tr- you cannot trust most of these kids and these teenagers to do the right thing. No. And then all of a sudden, because my kid is like, I'll wear the mask all day long. I'll wear the, you know, when she was, I'll wash my hands. I'll do whatever they tell me to. I want to go back to school. She's like, but my friends are fucking assholes, and they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna start, you know, grabbing their, you know, putting their hands on their pants. And then yeah. touching things. It's like they're, they can't control themselves. And then that's I mean, I'm, I'm wearing a mask all day here. It's awful, but, you know, whatever. Do what you got to do, I guess. Well, with that said, I, I, I must admit, one of the things that we did do a couple months ago, which we've all kind of regret, is we got invited to a friend of ours' 50th birthday. And it was at a, it was at a farm, and they had a very limited... It was right when... Um, Cuomo said that you could have gatherings of up to like what 15, 25 people or something like that. And he was, they were very like, we're having a surprise party and it's going to be, well, not a surprise, it's going to semi surprise party. We're going to be social distancing. We'll have masks. It'll be very careful. You know, it'll be outside in the farm and don't you worry. And we're taking care of everything. Be safe. We're all like, all right, we should go. And would you, are you nervous about it? No, I'm not nervous about it. A little bit nervous about it. Whatever. So we went to this party. We were kind of excited. We knew all the people there, and we are at our masks. We are ready to go. I'm ready to have a few drinks. I'm ready to have a good time. Next thing you know, we're all standing away from each other, and we're having drinks, and then the masks come down. You got to drink. You can't drink through the mask. And then next thing you know, 
we're all just kind of, you know, it starts to rain, so we're getting all closer together in the tents. I'm just like, this is a huge disaster. We ate, we drank, we had a good time. We're driving home, and there, my wife and I are, like, quiet, and she goes, this was a mistake. And I'm like, I know. And we so so we put a, a clicker, a, a, a um, calendar clicker for two weeks to see what happens. What are people, yeah. what's going to happen? And then in two weeks, one of the people there says, I have a fever. I have a fever, and we're getting COVID tested. And we're like, and it was you. You did it. It wasn't me. Well, we you didn't know. We had no idea. We had no idea. It could have been me. I mean, I was, it was nervous. <laughs> and then the stupidest part was, is because people couldn't get COVID tests around. They right. had to wait fucking eight days. So it's like, so then, it, you know, so then the rest of the day, I'm like, oh God, what, what, what happens? This is an older guy too. You know, what am I going to do if, what are we going to do if we, we passed on this goddamn COVID to this guy? And then he, you know, toes up. Next thing yeah. you know, it turns out he gets it back after seven or eight days, which is crazy, and he's fine, negative. Got anything. But it was like, ugh, I'm not doing any of this anymore. I've got invited to a couple events. I just told him I'm not going. I'm not even leaving. I'm not get the I'm not going anywhere. Just I've had it. You know? It's stressful. Yeah. It's fucking stressful. It like it blows my mind. So like our governor Murphy in Jersey, he he like rolled back some of it because people were just like having too many people over. He's like, now that now the cap is twenty five people, and I'm sitting here. I'm I'm counting on my hands, counting on my toes. I'm still I'm still down five, but I'm like I don't even know. I like who the like I'm not invited twenty five people over here to have a barbecue. Like that's insane. Even if I had all you guys, like I'm still twenty short. But the whole like modern forge crew. It's like, like, why do you have to have 20? I couldn't have 25 people at my house. I, I, I don't it's just, It's insane. Like, why can't people just take it easy? But well, that's fine. Here, here's the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is, is we're wasting time. You know, and now all of a sudden people are still talking about it, what's going to happen with the schools and everything like that. We're going to have another outbreak. And then all of a sudden we're going to be fucking back where we were in, in April. Right. And it's Once like we're all we're forced indoors. You know, yeah. and it's stressful. It's it's stressful to me. And you think about all these things and then I'm trying to, I have my own problems are I'm trying to keep my, I've been trying to keep myself fucking busy so I don't have to deal with the problems. Like I, I I'm, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm working like a dog at the shop. I'm by myself. So I don't get to see anybody, which is great. But at the same time, I feel guilty. Business has been good, which is like, I feel guilty about that. Because I like, you know, it's Why? true. You're, wow, you, you know, you're hustling, man. I got friends who are like sign makers who said, if you need any help, you know, sign business, we're ready to help. I got, I hear all this stuff about people with their supply chains having problems and everything problems. And I'm, you know, I'm not, not lucky. And I'm trying to be very like, you know, feeling, you know, trying to do the right thing, blah, blah, blah. So that, and then these goddamn podcasts, I'm trying to do as much as I can to keep myself organized and occupied and to try to do these things. And I, I was, uh, that reminds me is, you know, I try to really, you know, spend a lot of time getting ready for this and knife talk. We just had, we just had our first ads. I don't know if you got the first, we listened to the, uh, I was preparing for this episode with, uh, Dr. yeah, Blair I was really, Tom. I was really mad at it and upset. And I, and well, you know who I was, you know who I was cursing while I was driving uh, through the Lincoln tunnel this morning, who? Craig Lockwood, Craig Lockwood. Well, yeah. so because he arranged that he, he's the Godfather, the podcast Godfather here. He made that happen, and I'm like, he also edits it, so he he placed wait, this ad wait, wait, at the wait. worst possible time. Listen, listen, listen to me. Listen, you have it wrong, but I, ha no, I have it's, to talk. No, it's Craig. I know it is. Listen, we have to set it up correctly. So the Makery Network, when we started this thing, Craig Lockwood, who started the Makery Network after I I needled him for, for a long time, I pushed him and needled him. 
we signed a deal with an ad agency that like farms out ads, uh, local uh, local ads that go fit into your podcast. They signed a deal. Once we made a made a couple bucks, we you know when we had a couple downloads, then they start to pump in the ads. And then there's they. It, the crazy part is is like he doesn't do any of the editing of the ads. He didn't even know I was the one who told him this morning. It's Monday morning. It's Monday afternoon now. But when I heard it, I said, "Oh, I was listening to the knife talk." Next thing you know, I was getting an ad for Starbucks eating some plant-based breakfast sausage sandwiches. And then they put it in directly before we started talking about semen. And it was the funny. worst that made it possible funny. place. Whatever. So we're supposed to be getting some ads. And I, this episode might have ads. I have no idea. But it was like this is this was the point is it also it's going to have to offset some of, you know, Craig's got a lot of bills to pay. I mean, with the website and the bandwidth and all this and that and the other thing. I, I accept that. Give give me eight minutes of uh, commercials at the beginning, like Joe Rogan. You know, we don't have like, that. Op- we don't have that. Op- you know, we have our own commercials that we try to horn in and try to make them funny. But now I have figured that when we when this ad agencies came in, that we'd be doing like dick pills and mattresses and toothbrushes. I don't mind the live. The live reads are funny. I think you guys, it's like it's become a game where you guys are like, you know, trying to sneak them in there, like make make the segues funny and entertaining. Like that's that's fine. This well, these, thing came out of nowhere. They, I got Amex, uh, Amex small business credit card or something like that. Some other and, dude said he got Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, I had to go back. I, I started to hit rewind because then by the it was it was pretty long. It, it had, maybe it was like a minute, and like I, know. I completely forgot. And then the next thing that comes back on was like something about semen. I'm like, wait, wait, wait what, what did I <laughs> yeah. miss? Yeah, and, I don't know. If so, and listen, that that was a good episode, but like. That was the moment. That was the funniest, most entertaining moment of the whole episode, and it was interrupted by some stupid commercial. Well, the commercials are be set in by robots, I guess, and, and obviously that's probably Fuck better. robots, man. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't think robots. I don't think Starbucks would be too thrilled if they knew that they were, you know, pre preempting a fucking semen joke. You know, which well then, is fine. then then the czar, Craig, you need to uh, you should he should demand control of where that. Is placed, dude. You didn't had no idea. I had to send. That's him, why he, he needs said, to demand control. Take the wheel, no Craig. Idea. He had no idea, which is fine. So, what? So the so the really the thing is is it's been going well, and I don't know if this episode's gonna have any. I hope if this episode has any commercials, I hope it follows um, something unfortunate. That that that's what I would like. But congratulations to the Makery Network for starting to get some real ads. Well, this and you know what else is crazy. Ads. I'm getting like Instagram ads for like that apparel, apparel. What is it? How do you say it? Apparel, your 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 yeah. little your fancy schmancy cocktail. Dude. I'm getting I'm getting Instagram ads for the stuff that you guys talk about on Knife Talk. I got a Manscaper uh, ad on yeah, Instagram. Me too. Maybe everything that you guys talk about. It's it's listening to what you're listening to as well as what you're saying. That's bad. But I mean, if they're paying, I'm not so bad about it. I'm I well, they're not paying. Sure. They're just they're spying. Well, we're going to be getting no Appersol ain't getting me any money, but you know, yeah, I understand. But the I'm, fun- I'm just, I'm, I'm getting worked up. I'm getting worked you up. Get worked up. We talk, we'll, we should be talking about things that people want to hear about, you know, but at the same time, what does anyone want to hear about? Nothing. Yeah, they don't want to hear my opinion about uh, COVID 19. Well, I mean, you know, that's, you know, the, the, I, God damn it. It's going to be, God it's going to be a little bit un- unnecessary, but so back to, back to preparing. I was, I was, there's was so much going on last week and I got, I, I got the, I was the only one of the three of us who had uh, Dr. Thomas's book. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to read it. 
I mean, and it was like intense science, and it was great. It's a great book. It's called Knife Engineering by Dr. Laren Thomas. Great, great. If you're a knife maker, you got to have this book. It's, it tells you everything you need to know. And I'm reading this, and then all of a sudden, the bomb blast in in Beirut. I couldn't stop watching. I was like, oh my god, these fucking people. And it reminded me of like 9/11, just because of the trauma and stuff like that. And then. And then the, what are we going to do? And then all of a sudden we're getting ready for school. And what are we going to do there? And then all of a sudden, well, we got to pay, you know, we got to raise 300 grand in a month selling fucking coffee. I mean, that's not going to happen. And then I was overwhelmed. And then all of a sudden I get this message from Chris Cash, who was supposed to be here today, but didn't happen. And, and in the message, it was, he forwarded me a st- an Instagram story from Rick Barter. You know Rick Barter? Oh, I know Rick Barter. Rick Barter's our friend, but he's crazy. So the story... <laughs> to put it lightly. Yeah, so, he's, so I get forwarded this story from Chris Cash, and underneath it, it says, hey, this is from Barter. Should we be worried? And I'm like, let me look at the story. So the story is, there's this picture, and it looks like this sunset from his backyard. And then there's this fruity, <laughs> fruity words like, Oh Lord, if today's a beautiful day to die, and if and if one were to take someone, Lord, let it be me. Don't take the good people. I'll take their spot, and I don't. Do, it was all very like florally, flowery. God, if you got to take someone today, let it be me. Let it be me. God, I'm ready to go. Lord, I'm ready to go. I had no regrets. It was just like so. So so. Chris I think is, I remember that. And so, scrolling so, right past. Yeah. <laughs> so Chris sends me a message saying, should we, I'm, I'm putting air quotes, it, should we do something? Should we do something? Is Rick okay? Should we do something about this? Which isn't we, it's what are you going to do about it? So Chris sent me this, you know, thinly veiled suicide story from Rick Barter and said, what are you going to do about it? And I was like, Jesus Christ, Chris. So I, so I'm like, well, obviously now I have to do something about it because if something happens to Rick Barter and I didn't do it and knowing that Chris warned me, what Chris could have just reached out to Barter himself. Her life was in your hands, dude. He, he, all of a sudden, it's just like, let's get the one person that everyone who's on the brink needs to talk to and it's Fader. Huge mistake. Huge mistake. I'm like the worst. <laughs> I'm the last person I would ask to help someone off the edge. So I'm just like, let out this big like... <sighs> And, and it's like, I say already 930 at night. So I get on the phone. I, I start to walk in the kitchen and, and I walk in the kitchen. I turn, I call Barter up and go straight to voicemail. And now I'm just like, all right, he's fucking toes up in the back of the horse barn or something. He's doing something. Something ain't right. Something ain't right. He's, he's, he's giving it up. And then I'm sending him text messages. Hey buddy. Okay, buddy. What's going on? And then I decide, all right, well, if I'm going to, if I'm going to have to talk him off the ledge and so is Jesse. So I sent Jesse, I called Jesse and, and I said, Jesse, what's going on with Barter? We got to do something. Yeah. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, did you see that fucking story? It looks like he wants to fucking end it all. He's like, yeah, that's weird. I'll give him a call. So then five minutes later, I'm just like, I hope this is just a big misunderstanding. This is we're just a big misunderstanding. I get this text from Barter. Hey, buddy, what's going on? And I'm like, Barter, what's going on with you? And this, what's this message all about? What's this story all about? He goes, what story? I'm like... What's with the, I mean, can you just keep the thinly veiled suicide notes, like, not at my bedtime? Don't you think that, don't you think you're being a little bit rude? 
This is like, you know, Chris Cash is worried about you, and he sent me to see if you're okay. So Bart said, oh, no, I'm just, you know, I'm drunk, and, you know, I'm just feeling, you know, this is a, I'm a, I'm feeling a little bit low today. You know, the thing about Bart, Rick Barter is he's got highs and lows, and it's like, he's like a cork in his own little emotional ocean, you know, that little, that, emo, that ocean of crazy barter, barter, barter world. He's just at the mercy of the highs and the lows. So like he's, he was in the bad spot and all of a sudden it's just like, Lord, let me be the person to go. If you got to take somebody, please, Lord, take me. And I'm like, God damn it. He's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I, you know, I ran out of tonic and I, and I, and I'm just <laughs> drinking straight gin. I'm drinking straight gin. I'm like, well, Jesus Christ, Rick, Crack a beer if you Jesus, Rick. So he's like, Well, I'll call you in the morning. I'm like, Yeah, get off my phone. I, I this is and meanwhile, my wife and daughter are staring at me because I'm never on the phone at 9 30. They're like, Who are you talking to? I'm like, oh, I'm talking, I'm trying to get a hold of Rick Barter. I think he might be trying to kill himself. Well, he called me the next day and he's like, Oh, I'm really sorry about that. You know, you and Jesse reached out, only Jesse and I reached out, P.S. And everybody else, yeah, not like, Chris ah, Cash, not Chris Cash, not fucking you, John. You scroll past it. You pass, scroll past it. You're insensitive. Listen, I I know when Barter hits the sauce, things get a little dramatic. <laughs> well, yeah, well, Jin Jin makes usually people mean, not him. It makes him like you know, ready to be taken no. away by the Lord. When 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 he posts something about he's drinking some tequila, that's when I shut it down. I, I'm like, <laughs> oh no, no, not looking at anything he says or posts the rest of the night. So he calls me up and he calls me up in the morning and he goes, and I said, Jesus Christ, Barter, what's going on with you? He's like, oh yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really imagine what people would think. I guess I didn't really think about how it would come across. I'm like, yeah, it came across like sunset on Barter town. You know, (laughs) the sun's, the sun is about to set in the, on the life of Rick Barter. And I was like, yeah, he's like, yeah, I didn't really think about that too much. And I'm really sorry about that. And I said, well, what did your wife think? And the funny thing is, is Rick Barter is a great guy and he and his wife have a wonderful marriage as far as I know. And a lot of it has to do with that wonderful marriage. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that his wife is away a lot. So now with the coronavirus, his <laughs> wife is there a lot. So I think there might be, I'm under the impression that there might be some new dynamics. And one of those dynamics besides, you know, you know, whatever, whatever. But it's like, I think that there's a lot of like, there might be some tension. There might be a little extra tension because, you know, you know, we they, they have a loving marriage, but I mean, a little bit of distance probably helps. So I, I guess he says, yeah, you know, I was getting in bed that night and then I was getting in bed ready to fall asleep and my wife just starts screaming at me, Rick, what the fuck? And he's like, what? What did I do now? What did I do now? And she's like reading off his like, you know, drunken, you know, thinly veiled suicide note. She's like, fucking Rick, what do you, you can't write this shit. People are going to think you're, think, what do you think you're on the, you know, on the back nine of <laughs> Barter Town and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to let it loose. So we had a funny conversation and he says, yeah, I, I, I guess I'll, I guess I'll, uh, I, I'll guess I'll talk to, to, to Chris about that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, light him up, light Chris up because, you know, he, he seems to think that I'm going to be the one to talk you down. That's obnoxious. So that's where that happened. And that was just was a little stressful. It's just like, what are you going to do? John? Rick's very do? isolated. He's very isolated, but it's fine. But it was like a very, it was just like one extra thing. Like, oh yeah, we're going to deal with play. We're going to deal with job loss. We're going to deal with people, you know, croaking and their stuff like that. And all of a sudden, 
barters out a tonic and shit's hitting the fan. <laughs> right. That's that's that and the uh, his pizza toppings uh, coming out wrong were oh, the, the yeah. two biggest tragedies that to happen to him in the last uh, few months. Well, we might as well have to set that one up again. He went off the deep end because of syntax. He he ordered a pizza from some shithole in <laughs> Kentucky and they put the toppings underneath the cheese and he lo- he lost his mind. He lost his damn mind. Rick Barter lost his damn mind <laughs> when he got the pizza. Well, I, t- I, what I, I said to you, his first mistake was ordering a pizza in Kentucky. <laughs> I mean, it is true. There is there is some truth in that, but it, it was funny because so the, our friend Rick Barter, he, he didn't have enough problems in the world. He is mad about where the toppings were in the pizza. He said he starts he he started, he's getting mad. He's like he's closing his eyes. He's pursing his lips and goes, "The word is toppings." It can't be nestled under the cheese, so he gets this shitty pizza. I mean, it might, I mean, it might as well have been from Domino's. And he, oh yeah, he called them up, and he he says, "I'd like to speak to the manager." Or he said, "He said I got your pizza, and this and I just want to talk to you about how you where you put the toppings." And obviously, there's some silence, and this poor you know kid is having to deal with this maniac <laughs> thinking he got the. I don't even Karen I, Barter. Karen Barter, I don't even think that I got. I don't even. I ordered something recently from a. a uh, well, you ordered a side of fried rice from a an Asian joint. It and when I come home, it's not there. I don't even bother going back. It's too much work to go back for fried rice. Like it's enough already. He called. It'll cost up. you more than three dollars in gas to go back. It's not worth it. I'm like I can live. I'm like, I can live. I can live without not getting the fried rice. I'll be okay. He calls up because they put the t- pizza toppings underneath the cheese. And he's talking to these people probably in a very, very uh, upset way. And he's he's scolding them about where they put the pizza topping. And it's just like, you're right. It's like, dude, there's there's real problems in the world. And you're worried about where your fucking olives are. You know, I mean, we, look, we're, we're in the pizza belt, right? So we are in the pizza belt. Not <laughs> as, far as, as, as far as as far as Knife Talk listeners go, we are not in the pizza yeah, belt. Yeah, well, uh, bar, barbecue ranch pizzas you know you guys are god bless him he won yeah i actually thought craig's was pretty good but you you lose me at provolone and uh american cheese or whatever the fuck you put on all right this is now we're getting a little too inside for some of our listeners so so okay so we're in the pizza belt right (laughs) we're in the pizza belt but i don't i don't hate the concept of putting the toppings underneath and then the cheese on top because it's like this heavy blanket that holds all of your uh all of your toppings in like, you, you know, you take a bite and then like all the shit falls off the top. There is, there is a the problem. Cheese holds it together. The cheese. I wouldn't, I, I agree. I think that actually with Pete, when it comes to pizza, I think it's a very, very thin ratio. And I don't think when, what happens is if you put on stuff that got too much liquid in it, like onions, it doesn't allow the cheese to melt nice it, they, it, it's never going to get like kind of like oily and brown and and and, and like you know, yeah, gold yeah. and orange the the water and the onions and the, so i'm very much against throwing a lot of shit on pizza anyway but i would think that if you put it underneath it would even make it soggier so i i don't, yeah, I don't necessarily true. agree with it but you know the funny thing is when you called him karen barter you know this whole concept of the karen do you know where that came from carl no. ruiz carl ruiz the mad cuban Came up with Karen, 
And I remember it because he, the, uh, Carl Ruiz was uh, my friend. He was a Food Network guy. He was on the Opie Radio podcast. And he was a Food Network guy with Guy Fieri. And he was hilarious. And he passed away uh, last September. Great guy. Awesome guy. I could have been in the Carl Ruiz business. It was like, that was, it was, he's unbelievable. He was a great guy. He started talking about the concept of the Karen back then. And what it was, was he was creating, and this is a restaurant thing. The Karen thing is a complete restaurant thing. If yeah. you're in the restaurants, uh, a bartender or a waiter, it's usually, a, you know, waiters, you get the people who complain. And it's always like, there's this separation between, you know, humanity and inhumanity. And a lot of customers to restaurants think that, um, they think that being served means, I think in their mind, they think serve means servant. So a lot of times people talk to servers in a way that they wouldn't talk to a, a normal person. Like you wouldn't talk to someone in the street the way you talk to a server. So what happens is there's, there's a sense of entitlement that a lot of these people have and they complain. And if they don't get what they want from the waiter or the server, what they'll do is they'll go for this degree of punishment by talking to the manager. And it goes from there's too much pepper on my plate to I want to punish the waiter because he didn't fix my problem by talking to the manager and having the manager light up, fix the problem and light up and punish the person who said no to me. Yeah. So he came up with the idea that he created this. You know what this person looks like. This person looks like um, this person looks like, uh, you know, she's got the haircut where it's short in the back and it's in the front. And it's this woman named Karen and they got the mom jeans and she's white and she's I want to speak to the manager. Let me speak to the manager. And it started to they created this thing that a lot of waiters identified with a difficult customer, a difficult customer, Yelp reviewers and stuff like that. And then all these cooks and restaurant people started using that concept of the Karen, keep painting that idea. And then it just really came into popular culture to the point now where, you know, if you're anywhere in the United States, if you, you, you call someone Karen, you know who, what they're talking about. I think it's getting a little overused now. It's just oh, yeah. like anybody who, it's just like anyone who complains about anything. Well, it, it, it's, it's funny because it's created this, it's created this really intense. I mean, and it went from being this funny thing that waiters talked about. Oh, here comes Karen, to uh, it went from here from Karen to uh, you know the woman in Central Park who was mad that this African American bird watcher yeah. asked her to put her dog on the leash, and she used her knowledge of how the police treat black people in general as a weapon. And called for saying that this black man is intimidating me in Central Park and it turned into this whole thing. But they started to call her Karen. They started to use her as this sense of entitlement and this, these yeah. people who are they feel that they're they're they deserve some sort of, uh, you know, it's a higher position. And you're creating this concept. And the, but they're using that that, you know, this used to be a funny little thing to a real thing. And now now all of a sudden you're saying to everybody, OK, Karen, OK, Karen, that was all Carl. Yeah, it's it's way less funny when it's a, a meltdown uh, in Walmart about wearing a face mask Dude. than or some racial shit like that than a woman complaining about her overcooked piece of fish. Dude, I am sending it back. A hundred percent right. The whole thing got like got that's really way more real. Like oh. it's funny. It's funny that you're complaining about the piece of fish that like I, I used to wait tables and I, I literally this woman this couple would come in all the time 
and like one of the and they'd always complain about something and one one time i had them and she's like flopping she's taking her piece of fish and she's like flipping it over back and forth on her on her plate being like how do you even cook a piece of fish like this da, 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 da. and i was like i don't know i didn't fucking cook it and like did they you went say it like that yeah yeah because i just fucking? like I had, yeah yeah i had it with them Jeez. and like I, I have a lot of patience but like I knew I knew these clearly. People. Like, I know I know their game. Like they come in every week. The manager takes something off the check, and like you know, she ate half of it. And then like they went and complained, and you know he did something, and I was like, the the husband her husband came around the corner while I was yelling back at my manager, being like, you know these fuckers come back in every single week. You know this is what they do. Fuck them. Like don't do anything for them. And he like came around the corner and saw me yelling about it. And then they ended up leaving me like a twenty percent tip and just they calmed down. Dude, the, it's like they needed to be like called out, but like they didn't. You know, they never said anything to me about it. It's it's a bizarre. It's a bizarre, very small moment in 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 human uh, behavior because it's so primal in terms of like the concept of like dominating someone, especially a stranger. But there are these weird positions. I remember when I was at uh, my old restaurant, Alva, there was this was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. There was we had all these tables with uh, the back wall was one long banquette and they had tables like two tops in front of the banquette and with a couple chairs on the outside. So you could sit like, you know, five or six tables along this one banquette. So this guy was sitting. It was in the very middle of the banquette. This guy was sitting with this girl and. They were having a conversation. It started to get loud. Next thing you know, it was like out of, uh, uh, it was almost unbelievable. It was like out of uh, uh, Moonstruck. The woman takes her glass and then just kind of like swings it and and shoots all the scotch all over him, but also gets like whatever the drink was, gets both tables on either side. So yeah. the guy, whoever's on the, on the right and the guy who's on the left. So it was humiliating, you know, it was like, you know, take the record, take the needle off the record, scratch, everything stops. And I mean, I'm the manager. So I go, is everything okay? Is everything okay? She walks out and I'm mopping everything up. And then I hear, excuse me. And then it's the woman. It's the woman on the another, another, on the left side of the table. And she goes, uh, we want him to pay for our dinner. He's ruined our dinner. And there's a little bit of sky. Obviously it was an uncomfortable situation. She goes, I, we want him to pay for our meal. And I'm looking at her like, <laughs> you're gonna get this guy making me do. I can't believe you're gonna make me do this. I'm just like, so I turn. It was like at the heat of the moment. I'm all, I'm trying to like get everyone happy, and I said, I'm sorry, sir, but the people on this table would like you to pay for the bill. So then the people on the right see, and I could see that the woman is like nudging the the husband or the boyfriend, and saying, go 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 go, see what he's doing. And then the guy says, uh, excuse me, sir. And then all of a sudden I go over to him. And the the wife is like nudging them, get get on the pay, get on the pay. So the guy says, uh, "We would like, we would like him to pay for our dinner as well." And I'm just like, oh, "You fucking people are so fucking terrible." And I go to the guy in the middle, and I'm like, "Look, I'm fucking sorry. I am so sorry to say this. I don't know. You just got fucking blasted." <laughs> I didn't say this, but I'm thinking, looking at him like, "We know it happened. Whatever happened, I am sorry. It was very humiliating." But now the table on the right and the table on the left wants you to pay for their dinner, and he was cool. He would. He was just like, "Just give me the bills." <laughs> he was like, give me the bills. "Did it?" Get the fuck. Yeah, of course. He just wanted oh my out. God. He wanted out. He wanted out. It was just like, "Please give me. Just give me the bills and let me get the fuck out of here." I mean, at the time, it was probably like. 
probably like an extra two hundred dollars, like a hundred bucks a pop. So, but it was like you know, it wasn't like at a you know Oriole or something like that. But I was just like, I felt terrible for this guy because the both the on both sides. Even if it was like I'm gonna buy you a round. Maybe I buy you a round of drink. Buy you you know buy you guys a drink. Sorry it, about that. It know, was like, so upsetting. I I was buying people drinks all the time just to kind of calm down. But it was so upsetting. There wasn't time. And then the once the people realized that they were gonna have him pay, they ate and left. So like. I give this dude three checks. <laughs> the people on the right and the left, they don't want to sit there because they know the guy's going to be pissed. You got to pay for their meals. So I said, yeah, all of so a they sudden they're like, hey, off. I want to change my order. Yeah. So they all took off. This poor son of a bitch. I don't remember exactly what happened, but I was just like, these people are fucking terrible. And it was this whole set. You've ruined my evening. You ruined my evening. And I want someone to take care of it, sir. And I was like, I can't have a big thing going on here. We just got to get these people out. You got to get them all out of here. But at the same time, my boss is just like, yeah, you got to get that money. You got to get that money one way. I don't give a shit who pays for it. But the concept of this Karen, this entitlement, my, my mother, God will bless her. She is the queen of sending things back at restaurants to the point where I've had to have conversations with her. She sends shit back. A funny story is when Tony, my business partner, was at, he was the executive chef at Oriole before they moved. He was the executive chef. He'd been working for Charlie Palmer for years. Extraordinary. He was the sous chef, which is almost the more important position because he was the guy to make sure all the different positions were ready. He could fill in. And he was like, when you're the sous chef at a restaurant like Oriole, that is like the person that knows everything. So yeah. he was the sous chef for a long time. And then they, Charlie made him the ex- executive chef. And my mother knew that Tony was my friend. And so she would come in and she would, I, she'd ask me to get a reservation. I'd get the reservation for an Oriole and I call Tony up. I'm like, my mom's coming and she'd bring in a friend. So she was the, I didn't think I had to say anything. And you know, I knew that the res. I, I didn't call this, you know, call ahead or except for get the reservation. And all of a sudden, a couple of days pass, and I see Tony comes in and he goes, he goes, ah, your mom came in for dinner a couple of nights ago. I'm like, yeah, I, 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 that's what I heard. And he goes, she sent some food back. I said, what? I said, yeah, she sent some food back. And I said, what did she send back? And I said, she ordered liver, and she sent the liver back. I'm like what? Yeah, she sent the fucking liver back. Oriole was a three-star restaurant in New York. A three-star restaurant, one of the best restaurants in New York. And they had liver on the menu? Well, it was a special liver. I don't know. What am I going to tell you? I don't know exactly what was on the menu. (laughs) It was Rick Barter's liver. Yeah, Rick Rick Barter's liver. (laughs) Hey, somebody, the police are coming. They're coming to get you, P.S. Listen, man, it's it's New York City. I got my my pocket knife in. (laughs) So she, and, and so, you know, 20 years have passed. And he's and she he always reminds he always reminds me yeah your mom used to send shit back at Oriole all the time which is crazy and we, she would send shit back and we got to the point where in the past five years we go out to a restaurant I would say to her do not send anything back I cannot be in this restaurant with you I used to be a waiter I knew all about it don't send it back just because she people feel like if you don't like the food send it back. And she would say, I don't like it. I'm sending it back. And I would have to have these long conversations. I said, I cannot have dinner with you anymore if you send shit back. So, I don't have dinner with my parents. They're, I, they're exactly the same. They, starting with the wine, they will send every single thing back. Really? And I'm like, why do you even go out? My parents are both excellent cooks, too. Like, my dad is, is an awesome cook. Like, cook used to bake bread for bake sales. Like we would have like a, a whole like sack of poppy seeds in the basement and like a huge sack <laughs> of like literally like the size of me when I was like a kid, like huge. And he would make these like this beautiful bread 
and he always is always cooking and then they go to restaurants and they just like hammer these people into the ground like the wine is no good this is overcooked this is hard as a rock and i'm sitting there i'm like i can't take it and then on top of all that of all them being nice to the making friends with every waiter and busboy they're bad tippers and then i like now i i started bringing money i'm like like on the side i'm just like here like here's some extra you know for like for tip like as we're walking out i'm like slipping people money dude bad. it's like i can't handle it especially then after waiting tables i'm like you know i i can't i can't go out to dinner with you guys like i'm done we're what done do you mean, when you say bad tipper what are you talking five like, percent like 10 maybe like then my dad whips yeah. out a calculator. He, he whips out this calculator. I'm like, <laughs> like you know, like an actual calculator, not like on your cell phone. Like Jeez. I'm like, this is this is this is not going to go well. He's like, takes out the tax, takes out the you know bottle of wine, and I just oh, like he, he he takes out the bottle of wine when he does the tip. He takes out everything. He takes out half the meal. He's like, well, I don't tip on appet- <laughs> I don't tip on appetizers. Desserts are, uh, are questionable, depending how involved. <laughs> I love the fact that he's taking the. I think he's 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 adjusting the tip based on what he should what should he be tipping on. No, I I don't know what it actually is, but the, the <laughs> tip like I've I've stuck a peek at enough checks to be like, holy shit! Like he is a horrendous tipper, like not even close to generous. There's no. We've there's had no, we've had a waiter come and and come follow us out and be like like what what's going on was everything okay I thought everything was like good because like my parents are also very nice people just you know I I got none of that but they're really nice and like that you know the waiter feels like oh this is great this is a slam dunk these, these people are great you know they're they're you know ordering food spending some money like and then you know my parents just like pull the rug out from under them really my dad. So, so when, when the guy came, when the waiter came out, what did your dad say? I, I just, I just gave him money. Like I gave him money. Like I knew, <laughs> uh, like I knew so why he was coming and I kind of like, I, inter- I, you know, I intercepted it. And he's just like, like, what happened? Like, is everything okay? Like, was everything okay? Was there something wrong? Cause like, he's like holding, you know, they, they, they hold the little, the little black book, like, like this precious little, yeah. <laughs> little envelope. He's just like, 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 I don't understand. Like, yeah. like what happened here? That's a bold move on a waiter's. That's a bold move for a waiter. Well, that that I should tell you how, how bad the tip was, where it's just like, I, like I can't believe. It. Plus, I mean, with the amount of shit that my parents put them through, like running them back and forth, like bringing the wine back, bringing the food back, mm-hmm. having this thing cooked a little bit, put this, put the you know this thing is raw, put it back on the fire for a few moments, like you know, it's not like the waiter's doing like three trips, get your order, pour your wine, you know, take your dessert order. It was like they're very involved it's like they're working for it like i i feel for people like that because the service industry is so brutal and now it's like a disaster yeah right but my mother she never understood she just thought that that's what you do and there are a lot of people who send stuff back i actually have someone actually someone i know a customer of mine who is notorious for sending things back and it's it's this bit of control it's this bit of control and it's a bit of like I want to make them work a little bit harder for my money. I, I, there is something to that. My father, oh, so my mother used to. My mother used to also correct waiters. So like we went to a place about I don't know, ten years ago. This Japanese place. I mean, you know, the sushi places in New York now. Half of not hardly any of them are run by <laughs> Japanese people. So it's 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 uh, this woman was 
busting our table. I think my mother wasn't finished or something. And there's been this new change in the way people serve tables where used to be you would take plates away when everyone was done, but something slipped through the cracks of normality. And now people just start taking shit away as soon as you're finished. And then what happens is you're leaving somebody eating and then everybody else is just waiting there and it looks kind of weird. So this woman starts taking our plates and my mom touch puts her hand on the woman's hand and she says, don't do that. It's one of my pet peeves. And the woman was like surprised, you know, it's just one of my pet peeves is taking, I want you to take everything away at the same time. And the woman left. And I said, mom, why did you touch? Why did you grab that woman's hand? And she goes, well, I was trying to teach her. I'm like, you're going to teach her that she's, that she thinks you're an asshole. She's, you're not teaching this woman anything. You're not, you're not the, you're not the general manager. You don't set the tone here. Yeah. But can she calm down? Like, What's one of my pet peeves? And, I think and, we ha- we have the same we have the same mother, dude. And my dad, my dad, who who passed away years ago, I had to ban him from Alva because I he would come in every so often when he was alone or when he was by himself. I'd I'd have I say come in for dinner, you know, uh, you know, come in for dinner. So he'd come in for dinner, and then I give him like a you know I discount the bill, you know, whatever, and then he he wouldn't leave a tip, and the waiters were so embarrassed because it's just like, what are you going to, what are we going to sit, talk to the general manager, say your father didn't tip anything. So one time I was, they, they were just, Oh God, Jeff's dad's here. Now what are we going to do? So he comes in, he eats his dinner. And then I go up to the person and I said, did he leave a tip? And she didn't, she just didn't say anything. And I said, would you, would you tell me, did he leave a tip? And she said, no, he didn't leave a tip. I said, is he ever leave a tip? And she goes, he never leaves a tip. So I had a call. I called him up and I said, Dad, why aren't you leaving tips? I'm discounting the food for you, like substantial. I'm getting like almost half off. You're not leaving a tip. She's like, well, you, it's your place. I'm like, it's not my place. You got to tip the waiters. And he's like, oh, don't worry about them. And then I find out that his, <laughs> fr- his friends used to call him 2% fader. Because when they'd go out, they'd all, he and his old World War II buddies would go, go out for lunch. And then they would always have to like everybody would have to reach out for more money because he wouldn't leave tips, and he would just his mind. I'm never going to see them again. What are they going to do? Taxi cabs. He once would. I remember being in a taxi cab with him. He left ten cents as a tip. Ten cents. <laughs> Fucking. Yeah, like, 10 keep cents. the change. It's like ten cents. Yeah, ten cents. Yeah, keep the change. Ten cents. Right. So I had to ban him. I had to say to him, Dad, if you come to my restaurants or a restaurant that I'm involved with. You have to tip these people double. And that's here's a t- piece of advice. If you're a knife maker or somebody who does, works with restaurant people, if they stroke you, give you white glove service and they stroke you, meaning like you don't get a bill or whatever, you have to like double your tip. Yeah. So like if you got to like leave if, if you don't get it, you don't get a if you don't get a bill, you got to like leave at least 40 or 50 bucks for the waiter. You know, whatever the price I mean, yeah. you think it should be, that's what the tip should be because that's what the correct thing to do is. And so I said to my dad, I'm like, Dad, you got to tip these waiters. They're working here. They, this is with their money. And he's like, ah. Oh, and he, I said, well, Dad, we can't do it anymore then. You can't come here anymore. So, you know, time had passed and everything was cool. And he was out in Las Vegas. He was doing business in Las Vegas. And he says, can you get me a reservation at Oreo Las Vegas? It was a Charlie Palmer restaurant. And I said, sure. I knew the controller and I gave him a call. I said, my dad and uh, one of his business partners and a couple and their wives are going to come out for dinner. Can I get a reservation? They wanted a reservation for this time. And then the reservation, they got on the reservation. I called, okay, dad, it's all clear. It's on your name for, for, you know, 630 at the, you know, Charlie Palmer steak. 
So he calls me up a couple weeks later. Ah, we had such a wonderful time and they took such good care of us. And they, oh my God, they just red carpet and they sent out Amu's Bush and they sent out this and the chef came out to say hello and they knew you, they knew you. And and I said, what did the bill come to? And he goes, it's none of your business. He says, it's to me. I says, it's to me. He's like, what did the bill come to? He says, it's none of your business. Well, we're talking about what we had. And he was talking about he had bully base. I said, why did you have bully base in the middle of the fucking desert? What are you out of your mind? And then next thing you know, I said, what's the bill? And he goes, it's none of your business what the bill is. I'm like, dad, I got you this thing. I want to know what the bill is. And if you don't tell me, I'm just going to call up. And he goes, they charged me $20. It should have been like a $500 dinner. They charged him $20, probably for like a scotch or two. And I said, Dad, what did you leave for a tip? And there's silence. This is none of your business. And I'm like, what are you talking? It's my fucking business. I got to work with these people. And he says, um, don't worry about it. I'm like, I'm fucking worried about it. I'm, not, I'm never going to let you do this again. He goes, I left 20 bucks. <laughs> he said, they gave me a $20 bill. So I thought I'd double the whatever the bill it was. So I gave him 20 bucks. I said, so you left $20 for the bill. And then you left $20 for a $500 tip. And he goes, yeah. And I said, you're banned. You can never come to any of my restaurants. You can don't even ask me for a bill anymore. And don't even ask me for a reservation. You can never come back to any of these restaurants again. And it was like, these people are yeah, crazy. When he asked for a registration, you'd be like, don't worry about it. Yeah. No. Well, <laughs> if you really want to get into it, if you really want to get into it. When this is uh, when we had gotten, when my wife and I were getting married, all the parents were like, <laughs> all the parents, everybody's parents were like, uh, we don't have any money. And we're not going to pay. I'll help pay for the. My 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 in laws were super super generous with us, but it's at the time, and it's 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 at the behest of the of tradition that the wife of the uh, I guess the the bride's parents pay. So basically, there was like, well, listen, uh, 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 and I when I went up to my dad, I said, "Can we have a couple bucks for the wedding?" And he goes, "It's not my responsibility. It's it's uh it's your it's your wife's family's responsibility. So I'm not giving you anything." And it got to the point where her parents gave us some money, and I was so pissed off. And I did so much. Uh, our wedding was so. Um, we got the place for free because my mother had worked there. It was on Park Avenue. Charlie Palmer and I made a deal. I did all this sculpture for all his restaurants and stuff like that. And he personally cooked at the. He got all the salary guys, and they did. They did pass hors d'oeuvres. We got the flower. Our our wedding was all barter. All Rick barter, and all Rick um, barter. so. My dad wouldn't give us a dime. And then he says, I need you to invite some of my business associates. And I said, no, forget it. And he goes, why not? And I'm like, because you wouldn't even help me. You wouldn't offer to help me. Now you want me to fucking, now you want me to uh, take care of your, your, your business associates? Go fuck yourself. I didn't say go fuck yourself. I'm like, no, no, no. I gave all the families like th- two or three invitations. And I'm like, no, 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 we're not, no, you're out. And he goes, but you're going to make me look bad. I'm like, that's your problem. And it was very like, it was a very unfortunate situation. But he was so cheap, and that's yeah. the thing with service. It's like this whole Karen thing is like, ugh, jeez. So when you were you, so so, that's the real issue now. Now we've gotten to the point where all this Karen stuff is this entitlement, and they're using this. I didn't realize we were going to go down this way, but I like it. It's it's my wife catches me watching those like YouTube videos, those Instagram uh, Karen's Gone Wild. I kind of can't control myself. Like when they start there's just, to like, there's no like empathy. Like people don't, they don't no. treat each other like human, fellow humans. It's like, you they know, make, they make things worse for themselves. Yeah. 
I mean, it's like, I, I always think when I see these arguments in the streets and they this and they go back to your own country and you know, why are you talking to me this way? It all seems like it's just too much work. Like, I don't, it's I, just people don't want to wear their mask in a supermarket. I got all my rights and this is a mandate and you can't enforce this and I talk to my lawyer. And I watch that shit and my wife looks at me and she's like, I just don't understand why you're doing this to yourself. And I, and I would say to her, I can't control it. I can't control myself. I, I need this in my life. I need this kind of like, I look at these people, it's like watching like animals, like rhinoceroses fighting each yeah, other. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're a different, uh, they're not the same species. And it's like, these are also the same people who are making it like, well, we're going to end up being in lockdown through Christmas, you know? And, 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 and it's, and it's, we've wasted the summer. We, all these business, all the restaurant businesses are going to be screwed. Right. And then we're going to be fumping around. And then all these like kids who are like, you know, playing with themselves and touching everything, there's going to be an outbreak and then we're going to be back. And then I was thinking about this whole vaccine thing. The vaccine thing's going to be a disaster too. Oh yeah. You know, because it's, if it's, if the vaccine's anything like when the testing was, it was almost impossible to get tests up here. You had to make an arrangement. It was a drive through It was a whole big production. And there's going to be so many people aren't going to be able to get it. So once the vaccine comes out, everyone's going to rush to get the vaccine. Are you going to so, rush to get the vaccine? I'm going to do whatever my my. This is not my department. Whatever the the health department. My wife is as a is a epidemiologist, a legit one, not one of these internet epidemiologists. Whatever she says, I fucking salute and do whatever she says. This is not my department. If she wants to ask me about knives, if she wants to tell me how to do my knives, that's not her department either. So whatever she says. So what's going to happen is. Let's just say that they have a vaccine. Everyone's going to be rushing to it. It's going to be almost impossible to get it. And then a lot of people aren't going to be able to get it. Like undocumented people aren't going to be able to get it or they're going to be too scared to get it because that's one of the things is they're all afraid because they're going to get like deported. And then you're going to have some people are going to get it and some people aren't going to get it. You're not going to get it for a long time. You're not going to know if it works. There's going to be tons of people are going to say, I don't want to get it. No, I'm not going to take this thing. I already had it. And, and then what's going to happen is they're going to put a microchip in me. Yeah, those people too, those mental patients. I mean, you already have yeah, the microchip. It's your as, fucking cell phone. As, yeah, exactly. You I'm gonna, they're complaining that they're going to put a microchip in me as I am tweeting from my iPhone. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is outrageous. I want to videotape myself. And You're voluntarily it, carrying a microchip yeah, with you. It's, it's, and then what's going to happen is there's going to be, because of the impending lawsuits, there are going to be requirements. And the requirements are going to be paperwork. The paperwork that you got, I mean, when I brought my mom to this new place, we had to have paperwork that she had gotten tested for not only the coronavirus, but she had also gotten the antibody test. She had to have paperwork. So these schools are going to start to make sure that you have the vaccinations, which they already do now. They they are a lot of places need, you know, the make sure that your shots are up to date. And people are going to get upset about that. And all the people are going to be, you know, complaining. I didn't realize that this was in a Nazi state. Now I got to have my papers. Just make sure that it's going to be a fucking wreck. And it's going to be a wreck. Once we get the vaccine, it's going to be another six months of a disaster. <sighs> I'm telling you, I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. I do too much. You know? <sighs> I'm it's telling like, you, it's upsetting. I was in, I was in the gas station, guys, like. Oh, I forgot. I forgot my mask. Like he's up there, and they're like, "Okay, like, well, wait, go get it." And like he, he's just like, I, I don't. He just like had this. Like I did not expect that to come. <laughs> he's like, "Come on, 
Like, I want to wait. Yeah. And it makes me think of, like, all these, like, videos where it's like, you know, I feel bad for the cashier, like, for this person that they're getting screamed at or the person videoing. But then, like, there's another person online. And, it, like, if it were me, I'd be like, I can't believe I just want to pay for my fucking, I know. like, I just want to pay for my fucking groceries. And I want to go. And there's this idiot in front of me having a meltdown. And I can't even leave because I'm, like, going to lose my place in line. I and so I felt like, I'm like, just go. Like, why did, why did you even walk in? Like, you know. People like, make- you know, like you can't go in any any building, any indoor building without this mask. Like it's been like this for months now. Just just people come on, man. Like, people want to be get difficult. with the program. People want to be difficult. They like to be. They, it's more. They want to be difficult and they don't realize when they're. And, and then people say, oh, you're a fader. You want to be complacent. That's the you're the sheeple. You want to be complacent <laughs> or you want to be controlled. No, I want to fucking get my milk and I want to go to fucking home or I want to get my six pack of beer and I want to go home. Oh, yeah. Well, you don't understand your liberty. Ah, stop it. I don't understand my liberty. This is a public health issue. This isn't about a liberty. It's so tiring. It's tiring. You know? And I was speaking of speaking of the stores. I I've been having I have a uh, become friendly with the uh, butcher manager at the store that I get my supermarket stuff at, and he's a good dude, real good dude. He's been there. What? Sam? Not Sam the butcher. What do you Sam the butcher? I'm not that old. I'm not that old. That's a big Brady bunch. So um, he's been there since the beginning, and I talk to him every week and. You know, it was, you know, those, you know, April, uh, March into April, things got a little bit, you know, felt dicey in the, you know, and then all of a sudden towards like June, July, people started to be more calm. I did see a couple of, you know, not, you know, arguments was arguments was the, you know, people were tense and, you know, nervous. So I talked to the butcher and just every week and how you doing? Good, good, good. You know, he said he would say back in, uh, I guess, early June, he would say now the problem is, is the drivers, the drivers who are driving the meat were getting sick. So they're having a real hard time with like the delivery and stuff like that. So as time goes by, I still keep talking to him. And, and um, I was talking to him maybe maybe three weeks ago and he goes and he says to me, they've the supermarkets have doubled their sales since this whole thing started doubled easy doubled and people are you know obviously not going to restaurants anymore they have doubled their sales and i said how many people in this how many of the staff have gotten sick and he says throughout the whole thing one cash register called in but we don't know if it was coronavirus or not (laughs) so you got these kids stocking the shelves the whole time yeah, the essential workers. The essential workers. The 16-year-old getting they, like $10 an hour. They weren't getting wearing gloves, and none of them got sick. You explain it to me. Explain it to me. Yeah. And I think that I think a lot of it is I, – I, and I spent I – spent, when I was bringing groceries to my mother, I was terrified because I was delivering groceries with the coronavirus, positive coronavirus. And I was wipe. I'd, I'd wipe down her food in the car and transfer bags and transfer gloves. And it seems as though you, you people weren't getting sick. I mean, it seems as though people weren't getting sick by touching something other people touched. You know. But then you don't know. It's no, nobody knows anything. It's, it's exhausting. It's, you know. Yeah. It's overwhelming. And then I just watch this video about stupid Super Alyssa Milano could care less about her. She's combing her hair and her hair's falling out. And she says it's from coronavirus. I send the, I send it to my wife. I said, is this a thing? And she says, yeah, we're starting to notice that people who are had coronavirus are starting to lose their hair in clumps. I'm like what? Oh 
What? And she's like, yeah, I hate to tell you, but yeah, we've been noticing it. It's something, I mean, the data is not out on it, but it's something that, yeah, it's something we've been aware of. It's overwhelming. The whole thing's fucking overwhelming. <laughs> we, I just had, we just had a nice little break from coronavirus. Oh, then they came uh, on this podcast and then well, yeah, yeah. coronavirus. Last week, we, you know, we had, we had that, uh, hurricane, uh, Isaiah or oh, whatever it was. That's right. I didn't have, so we didn't have power from uh from tuesday like tuesday at noonish until friday afternoon like mm-hmm. friday evening and uh it was like it was like coronavirus like stopped existing yeah somehow like because like we're, we're you know conserving our the phone so i'm not like you know looking at instagram and the internet i'm like i'm not we're not watching the news we're not doing anything you know the kids aren't watching tv we're just like we're just no. in our house like you know hunkered down going outside playing and uh but then like people were like losing their shit over uh, getting gas like there was gas lines going was around there the gas block. Lines? oh yeah because like i mean my town you know we i think it was like a dozen trees or something it was just uh, every like phone line just got like torn up or uh, electrical line uh and you know they're trying to cut up these trees and everyone's you know going, how how does it how could it take so long just just run another wire and they're like, people are losing their minds over that. And they're waiting in line for gas. And then I, you know, I'm like, all right, well, we got all this shit in the fridge because we're, you know, we're trying to shop less right. <laughs> like everybody right. else. So now everyone's freaking out about ice. So I go and I, I ran into a Kevin. Which is, <laughs> is, the, that, is that a female? Is that a female? That's Karen? the female Karen. I thought it was a chat. And, uh, I, I don't know. Right, like we'll just call him a Karen too. Let's go Kevin. And he, yeah. So he's, you know, I, fi- I found one place, some weird, like off the beaten path, like little market that sells beer, which isn't really legal in New Jersey. Like it's, it, you have to go to a beer store. You can't just sell it like in the same place. Fucking Jersey. And uh, yeah, fucking Jersey. They, uh, you know, and he, he's bringing up, I'm like going, I bring my cart and I'm like going to grab some bags of ice. He comes, he starts yelling at me. He's like, I already, I, I'm, cl- I claimed six bags of ice. It's like I already I'm paying for it right now. He's yelling at me from the line. He's yelling at you? At me, because I'm like loading up my cart with like because I brought in my cart and I'm gonna get the ice and then I'm gonna go and pay for it. But he's like yelling at me saying, I already paid for six bags of ice. And I'm like, Don't don't worry, man, there's plenty here. And he comes running over and I was like, It's all right, bro. I saved you the six best. Like, get the fuck away from me. Did you say that? Yeah. I'm like, get the fuck away from me. So what like, did he say? You don't have to come here. He's like, Oh, oh all right, all right, all right. I mean, I'm a big guy. People don't say anything back to me. Come on. I save the you've, six best for you. <laughs> you've seen me. Like it, it works. Yeah. It works with everything. Like I don't You're get terrifying. into fights because I'm just terrifying. It's just like I save the six best for you. Best save the six best for you. <laughs> that was Calm a good the fuck line. down. That's a good line. And like that, the other guy, just, there was some other dude getting him. He was just like cracking up because I was just like, "Chill out, so man!" People, like people are on edge. People six bags of ice. He's losing his shit over. Dude, we had our friends here. I got, I don't know. We got lucky. The only time we ever lost power was during Hurricane Sandy, and we lost power for five days. But since then, I have two uh, generators. One, actually, I had to send in. I just dropped it off to get repaired because it wasn't working right, and I was like, well, if this is going to happen again, I need to have both of them going because I gave one generator to a friend of mine to run the his refrigerator during the day, and then they would turn it off at night, and then maybe a little whatever. And people were lost their power here there was like a there was like a con edison transformer explosion people lost their power from tuesday to sunday 
Yeah. We're charging people. We're do, we did somebody's laundry for them and we charged all their batteries. We gave our battery chargers. We gave her every battery charger we had. We, we brought up four, four battery chargers. We charged them all up. We charged other people's computers. We we're doing their goddamn laundry. And it was just like this one family that we know in during coronavirus, the sister who lived in the house died. The mother who lived in the house died. So my, my friend's mother and sister died. Then they had, uh, well, I'll tell you another story, but uh, in regards to uh, what was going on. So we were terrified because we got a call back in when uh, the riots were going on. We got calls, including my friend, that there was a plot for these uh, rioters are going to take the train up to Peekskill. Oh, right. Like your, your, your friend from the FBI or something? I got a call from the FBI, a friend of mine yeah, in the yeah. FBI who said- Got a hot tip. It was it was enough of a hot tip that this FBI agent called all these people and then alerted. Then everyone starts going on the internet, and then the Pisco police had to post. We've everyone relax. We've heard about this potential, you know, riot, train riot. <laughs> these rioters are going to take the train. You could just imagine all these cops sitting at the train station waiting to pick them all up. And then, so my friends, she's worried about that. Her brother, her mother died. Her, bro- her sister died. Then this, then she and her husband get coronavirus and they survived. And then now they're out of power for a week. It's like, what else? Yeah. It's for fucking what well, I think that's, I think that's what a lot of the, uh, you know, the intensity of this last week was, was just like, I can't believe this is like another fucking thing. The power outage is a weird thing because what happens is that all of a sudden it's just very much like along the lines of it's like uh, it's like it sucks the it sucks the blood out of the body. Like a house without power is it's almost like it's not your house anymore. I mean, we were lucky, you know, it was it was relatively cool last week. Like if it was like today where in the 90s, like, you know, we, we were all fine. Like in the evening, it went down to like, you know low 70s maybe 60s like you know we opened all the windows we got a nice little breeze like we you know it was fine but like if after a couple nights of me like i can't i can't sleep when it's like hot like crazy hot i i would just be like i would actually be a high strung like five months of of quarantine fucking coronavirus like i'm fine with i was just like whatever (laughs) you know i don't have to see anybody ever again that's cool but like two nights without air conditioning i'm like or a fan or something like moving air being hot i would have just been murdering somebody oh, dude we've been complaining too much that's we've been true complaining too much but i the but i i have a reason to complain because the last five or six episodes there were no i had to do these intense interviews so now now it's just something well this this loose. was supposed to be the fun one it turned out to be this is fun an intense uh no, conversation no, no, no. about corona and yeah. horrible karens at the restaurants speaking of corona what beer have you been drinking lately i've changed my whole set my whole situation I mean, I generally drink like Miller Lite, but I, I've been uh, there's these a couple like um, I, I like I like IPAs too. There's been these like uh, like a real citrusy like a, there's one that's like a New Jersey brewer. I think it's actually called New Jersey Brewery, which is a extremely creative name. But they make a uh, like a blood orange IPA too, that is just like it hits funny. the spot. It, it's delicious. No, this I don't like fruity a, shit. I drink like one of them. Quickie be- this isn't a Rick Barter quickie beer review. This is me His, saying. Those I'm reviews just, aren't even very quick. I'm just drinking. All I'm drinking now are ice. I cold, said Miller Lite. That's it. Ice cold cans of Heineken. I fucking love yeah. them. I can't drink yeah. them. I can't drink them fast enough. 
no, I, I've, I've come to, it's funny. I've probably made like fucking, you know, a thousand bottle openers or something. And it's like, I, I prefer a can now because the can just gets like really like, you know, that really, really cold. Like it almost like has like a little bite. Yeah. Like it gets so cold. A bottle never gets that cold. No. So we're going to have to figure something out. So well, now yeah, Ben, ben Snor made that little bottle opener that has the, the tab so you don't break a nail. Ben Snor actually had a question for you. Um, oh, it was, God. It just seemed inappropriate. He's That's wondering, fine. <laughs> he wanted to know why. He said, <laughs> I feel bad even reading it. I I'm a prof- I, I, my, my, my day is, is trolling Ben somehow on All Instagram. Right. Well, if that's the case, I'm going to, I'm going to, he, I, I, I did have a few questions for you. We've gotten um, to the point where it's just, we, we don't even, Ben and I don't have real conversations. We just like talk shit. We just talk shit to each other. Even so far as other people notice and think that we have real beef, yeah, which it, it we do not. Well, it well. Let me just let me just get to it. Okay, read it, the question. Then I'll determine if we have real beef. Or it's, not. it's gonna it's gonna be hard not to be real beef. We got but, beef. Uh, ben Snor <laughs> Ben Snor says, "Dear Monsieur Ariani, why are you such a dick?" That's the question. <laughs> that's it. That seems like a that's a that's a hard question to ask. Hurt so people I, hurt people, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> that was the legitimate question from from uh, from our friend Ben Snor, and there's no uh, clearly there's no answer. I that was my answer. Hurt people, hurt people. Oh, hurt people, hurt people. Okay, yeah. so yeah, one thing we have to talk about, and I did <laughs> I did mention it. Uh, I was talking to Jesse last week, and he mentioned it, and you had mentioned that's it, it for the questions. You want more questions? I'll give you more questions. You want more questions? Or I want to yeah, we well, got we can, right, then I'll radio, radio tease, tease Prague. We'll radio tease that story for okay. you know hundred right. years. All right, so we need to radio tease Prague. So I'll ask here's some other questions. Something happened in Prague. All right, we're gonna at the end of this podcast, we're gonna get into Prague. We got time. Uh Daniel Makina is uh he wants to know about you're if you don't know, Genghis John, aka John Ariani, Sunset Forge NJ is a hammer maker. And Mahatma Jandi. Mahatma Jandi, that's right. Mahatma Jandi is the new one. Uh, Daniel Machina wants to know, how do you separate yourself from other makers when making or designing hammers? Uh, funny answers are good, too. I'm not mad. This is, uh, this is, uh, this is uh, an unorthodox I don't know if show. I do. Like, Or does he mean, like, how do I or how does one? How do you? Let's just say, oh, let's just go. I don't think I do. You don't? Like a lot of people, a bunch of people had, like, you know. Like clean, like bare, like natural looking handles. So I burn them. Not you the know? handles, <laughs> the hammers. Well, this is, I don't know. <laughs> That's it. It's like, look, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's only so many ways to make a hammer and so many designs and things that are practical. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't know. All right. There's I, your answer. I don't, I don't know. I don't care. Stop asking me these questions, Dan. Stop Come asking on, me man. these questions. What are you, why don't you ask a question why you're a dick or not? This is the reason yeah, why well, people ask if he's a dick. I have a better answer for, uh, I don't know if you can, you know, I think it's just, uh, you know, maybe, you know, the, the cleanliness of your forging and the lines and just getting the whole thing just better than the other guy is the best I can say. Knives are, knives are easier to kind of separate yourself out to a certain degree, but hammers really have to, you have a very slow, small window of between design and function. Like it's a very, very small window because right. your physicality is, is your physicality is, is the issue. Like you can, you can cut with a knife slowly. You can cut with a knife fast. You can do, you can, but when you're forging, 
there's really only you have so many limitations to that design before it becomes not good. No, yeah. and 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 function plays a big part in it. Like you know, I I was ma- I'm making these like cross pins that have like a tapered sort of facet, so it's like goes into like an octagon face. But like, how useful is that if you're use? You know, or I don't know, not how useful is it, but it, is it as useful as like a square face with just broken edges or a rounded face? You know, so all those things play into like what they're actually being used for, rather than just like how it looks. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Like so, or or just even like a fuller, like you're not like you you wouldn't make like a um, like a top tool that has like the troughs in it because that just makes it weak. Right. So like you you eliminate that like that aesthetic decision, or uh, I I don't know, you know, even just putting those troughs in elongates the whole hammer. So like that's that you know the form has a function to it. Um, so I guess thinking about what you're actually going to be using it for, I mean, I think I make hammers that are more just like, like a stubby, like forging hammer. You know, I a lot of like, that stubby. They're a little stubby. They're not stubbier know. than 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 like offy hammer. Well, that one that Cliff just made you is like the stubbiest fucking thing on the planet. That's not that stubby. It's stubby. All right. So back to what we were talking about. Have you right. had any? What are we talking you, about? Have you had any Karens? that gave you fritz about your knife or your hammers and sent it back. I don't like <laughs> this. Careful. I had, I had one who said it was soft. The hammer was soft. Yeah. But uh, you know, I'm not sure how much of a blacksmith he really is. I think he was trying, <laughs> I think he was trying to uh, smash a pin out of something and we worked it out. We worked. It I out. made it right. You yeah. It I out. made it right. Have I had any Karens? I did have a Karen. I had a Karen who uh, I had a Karen who I made some things for them back in the day, and then they complained because I had evolved, and complained that because I had that evolution, that their knife should have been part of the evolution. I do. I get. I get anxious about. Th- stuff like that. Like if I see like an old hammer I made, like a hammer I made four years ago and uh, you know, I'm completely disgusted by it. Yeah, and of like, course. You know, but at the same time, it's, you're it's like allowed you get better, to... but then I feel bad. You know, I feel bad that this person's like, you can't feel bad for them. Like I, and you, you can't tell them. You can't be like, Oh man, so I'm sorry. You got that hammer. I, like, have... I wish you, I wish you got one now. I've had a couple guys who've had knives from me from like four years ago. And then they'll talk talk to me about it, and I'll say, send it in. I'll give it a tune-up, and then maybe I'll take some of the material off, and I'll just kind of, like, tune it up and get a little bit thinner. And I got no problem. I stand behind my shit. But this one person was just really difficult to the point where this person started to text me and then was very passive-aggressive in the texts. And if I wasn't responding fast enough, and it was everything was being misinterpreted. And I just said, send it back. Just send it back. I'll, I'll fix it. And then um, they were irritated that I said that. And then I was like, I'm just going to make a new knife. And I just made them a brand new knife and I just surprised them with it. And then there was a little bit of fritz because this, this person didn't like that I was very cavalier about it. And then it was like, all my good, all my goodwill didn't really matter. It was like, it was, it was this very strange, I sque- everything is fine and everyone's happy. But it was like, it was this moment of, it was this, it was a difficult moment for a person who was a little bit difficult. I've had that happen before, and that actually uh, fits perfectly into uh, 
a customer, uh, customer, uh, Ben Wortham wants to know, have you ever had a sketchy sale or a client, uh, including, uh, if you had ever done like a Craigslist or marketplace encounter, have you ever had a, a moment of fucking weirdness with a customer? Uh, <laughs> I used Come to on. sell weed in college. That was pretty sketchy. You sold when you, when you sold weed in college. How much? <laughs> no, I'm just oh, cool. Uh, no, uh, I, I, I uh, sketchy. I mean, yeah, I, I do. I have this guy, and you know, I don't know. I don't know how legit he is, but it's like it's almost every year, like to the to like the day or the month like messages me it's this like chinese guy and he he like in broken english like i don't want to do it because i don't want to get in trouble but it's like you know in broken english saying i love your work like i like i want acts like you know you give me best price like and like i'll you know i'll talk to him and you know i you know we have these (laughs) i try to be reasonable and I get, I basically, I just go back, like I scroll back and I give him like almost literally like the exact same, like, you know, answers. And, uh, but he's bought like Hoffman's he's bought, I, th- I want to say like, I-, I don't know, like a bunch of other makers, which makes me be like, this is like, he is legit, right. but this whole like situation is sketchy. Like the way he even wants to like send me money is weird where it's like, Oh, like, like you send me routing number. And like, I put money in your account. But like these oh, other guys, he claims. So he claims these other guys have like. It's like I have. Uh, I have a big collection. I have many Hoffman axes. Just like good, good for you. He makes a lot of axes. And he, and he, was, just, he wanted your routing number so he could put money in. That's a yeah. It's like it's not even even just as simple as like yo. What you know? What's your PayPal? Like everybody can use PayPal, and that seems like. I don't know what what do you you know you might <laughs> 50 years old using yeah. like routing numbers and checks and like checking accounts and things like that like Venmo me bro Venmo me bro Venmo me bro and put a cool little comment so everyone can see it the sketch- that's the, that's the sketchiest thing I think because it, it it certainly is like tempting because he wants to you know spend some money but at the same time it's like I don't know I don't know if I can get into this and it's weird that it's it's like literally every year the same like month. So than, so he just like goes this. after you every. Is this is this guy live in in the United States? Oh. <laughs> what, what am I his best friend? <laughs> well, wow. hang out. Come well, on, man. Seems like you seems like you have some sort of relationship with him. No, we don't. I'll show I'll show you the text. The, these like this exchange. It's it's very uh, choppy. The scariest, the sketchiest thing I've ever been involved with is when I was uh, helping build this restaurant that I talked about back in the day, um, with the fat, where fat ass came from and full blast came from. When we were start, when we were in construction, there was a ton of old restaurant equipment in there that was garbage, and we were in the the restaurant was in the middle of Midtown, and we had to get rid of it, and it was like it was more expensive to, you know, it was more exp- we couldn't just drunk. I mean, I have to get a dumpster; it wouldn't be worth it. So. I was told to go down to Canal Street and get one of these used restaurant supply places and see if they'll come by it. So I went down there. I talked to these two sketchy dudes who ran this used kitchen place. We're like, we're getting rid of this place. We want you to buy. Can you, you want interest in buying anything? And he goes, do you have any compressors? Do you have this, anything? I'm like, yeah. So he says, we'll be up later. So I'm calling him. I'm like, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And, he, and they, they weren't coming. And, oh, we're on our way. We're on our way. 
And then my boss was like, you got to try to get as much money as you can. I'm like, it's just like the worst. These two like Canal Street dudes are like totally going to like hose me. And I'm I'm not a good sales person. I'm not tough. So where are you guys? Oh, we're on our way. We're on our way. And I'm looking for him. I'm looking for him. They had snuck in through the back and already started taking stuff. And then I was like, wait, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, I don't know. We're going to, we, we talked to somebody. We're going to start putting, moving these in the truck and we'll give you some money. They fleeced me for, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it was scrap for the most part, but they just, they took all the compressors and fucking yeah. left. And they fucking, and they, oh, we'll be right back with the truck. They took the compressors and left. And I was like, oh, that was the end of that. It was super sketchy. And I had to tell my boss, I'm like, told him what happened. I was like, why couldn't you just, why couldn't you just deal? Why couldn't you just get real gut people instead of having me deal with these sketch bags from Canal Street? Yeah, uh, you remind me. I I bought this table from a Tom from one of Tom Caligio's restaurants, and because uh, we had like a my aunt's like 80th birthday party there or something, and it was like in this corner, and we were like, I don't know, for some reason, like throughout the night, we were like really drawn to this. Like, I think they were using it to like hold like some extra silverware and like. Was it Gramercy Tavern or something? No, it was, I can't remember where it was. It wasn't Gramercy Tavern, but uh, it's somewhere in here, Manhattan. He, uh, and uh, my mom would remember because she sent back almost everything. Right, she sent everything back. But uh, we were like. Tom's like, take the table, goddammit. We were were all just like admiring this thing. It's like this, it was a tall, like square table, you know, almost like 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 a kitchen island size, but, you know, square. And, uh, you know, throughout the night, I'm like joking with this waiter. I'm like, hey, how much for this thing? <laughs> like, you know, as I'm like drinking and schmoozing and, uh, you know, I started working them and like, finally they were like, all right, well, if you want it, like you can cut, like we actually, maybe I think we want to get rid of it. The manager's like, oh yeah, we want to get rid of it. Like, you know, give us a call tomorrow or something. So I called what? them and they're like, okay, like, you know, $400. I was like, well, I don't know. All right. Like I'll, I'll come by. I'll come by tomorrow with my truck and, you know, take another look at it. And so I did with like $400 and like some waiter, I'm like, all right, yeah. So here's the $200. Just like threw the thing in the back of the truck and just left. You are scum. You fucking, you fucking hosed them. Well, they gave it to me. You you hosed Tom Calicchio for for $200. I was doing them a favor. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, look at you. You, I got that thing out of there for him. Were you like sweating? Being like, let's see if this one works. I'm always sweating. Jeez. Genghis (laughs) John. That's a hard. Yeah. I'm like, will you just take 200? You know, oh no! Now all of a sudden we take two hundred. You said, "I thought I thought you were you said to go." Oh, they told me two hundred last night. Okay, take the table. No, I was just like, "How about 200 I'm What like, the right. fuck is Tom Calicchio's guys selling their fucking tables out from under him? I uh, yeah, I'm sure he knows nothing of it. <laughs> I, I don't even know it. if it was. You know, it might have just been some waiter too. You know, yeah, yeah, who knows? You never know. You like I don't like, know. What like, guys when I went and picked it up, they weren't they weren't open. In my so, life, like, there was people having lunch. <laughs> so somebody, like some some guy met me there and just let me take the table for two hundred bucks. So the waiter who sold it to you for four hundred bucks probably was like, "All right, we're gonna get two hundred bucks, and then we're gonna I'm gonna or I'm gonna get four hundred bucks, and and then the guy who said agreed to it is gonna hand him over the two hundred bucks. Well, where's the other two hundred bucks? The guy well, said, you know, no, I called the guy who you know that gave me you know a card with a number on it, you know, some whoever's it was. So it was like the same guy. I don't know if he was a waiter or the manager or like you know oh, whatever he was. Dude, it was the busser. You you sold a, you <laughs> He was the, like some busboy. <laughs> the busboy <laughs> sold Tom Calicchio's table for two hundred bucks. 
right yeah, after well, service. You know. Right we've after used service. it for, for we've used it for many years. It's it's a uh, it's the best changing table we have. So I need a picture of it. This exhibit, exhibit A. It became the changing table, and underneath <laughs> is like all all toy boxes. Well, you know, Tom Colicchio's his whole empire is gone now, and you should feel bad because you know you fleeced his 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 scumbag waiter. Yeah. His scumbag <laughs> waiter sold <laughs> that shit extra out. Two hundred bucks probably would have helped. <laughs> and you know he was pissed because he was just like, oh, I got this heroin problem, and I got a, now I got four hundred bucks, and then the guy no, says, we, here's we, the two hundred dollars. Well, it was like emptying out the drawers, and like there's like this like. There's like all these like loose papers like up in the drawers, <laughs> you know, like not not like in the drawer, but they like got like yeah. they got stuck up in like the runner part. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shit, is this like this is like his his personal like recipes for, you know, the, the sauteed broccoli oh, rob. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, it. I pull it out. It's just copies of the menu. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I, I've never in my life. That is a great story. I never in my life would have thought I knew I know the restaurant people are scum, but I never thought they were that much scum. And speaking well, of scum, we are. <laughs> I want to hear the story. We last episode you were on, we told this incredible story about your crazed trip to uh, to India, and you being basically held up by these corrupt police officers while you're. I don't know now. Now that I heard the Tom Calicchio story, they're not so bad. Um, no, I, I I was I was insane. I think. Back well, years ago, well, I've 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 since uh, you know leveled out maybe a little bit. Well, you know, it was it was that it was that that weekend of uh, acid and listening to Radiohead that straightened me out. Jeez Louise! Well, it, you got to go back if you're if you're hearing this for the first time. You got to go listen to the uh, Genghis John uh, Enlightenment. And when we finished that one, I was like, "That was a crazy story." And then you know, obviously, it was a crazy story. But you said to me, "Well, you should wait till you hear about Prague." And we actually, Jesse wanted to know about, he said in the last episode, like, oh, dude, I hear there's a crazy story in Prague. So now yeah, that we there's know been that, a lot of teasing. It's not, it's, it's just the expectations now are maybe a little too high. I don't know, but, but I mean, uh, you, you, you doing that scam, you scamming the waiter at, at, at craft or a grammar seat. I'm going to just say, it's I'll, I'll figure out, I'll, I'll ask my mom. I'll, 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 I'll text you what Jeez. was. That's oh my god! All right, so so tell me about the story of Prague before the police show up. Yeah, they, they know I stole that table. Uh, they uh, so I uh, what you know I, I <laughs> Tom Calicchio. Tom Calicchio, <laughs> he's off to you. Tom Calicchio is like, God damn it! I needed that two hundred dollars. I don't have a fucking pot to piss in. Or, or a changing oh, table. Now look at you. Uh, you. You hit. You were quiet, and then it ran yeah. past you. Nice job. Nice job. Uh, but you know, it's like that same time I told you about York and getting my ear bitten and and getting AIDS. Um, <laughs> Wait, you didn't get AIDS. Wait a second. I didn't get AIDS. You didn't get AIDS. You you got in a bar fight. In, in well, in I it wasn't a fight. I don't know. Did I get AIDS? I don't know. I never got tested, but right. pretty sure I don't. Okay. Um. In that, it was during that same time that I was just fucking out of my mind, and uh, I went like it, when you're in when you're in Europe. I don't know. Actually, I don't know how it is now, but uh, you can take the you can basically travel Europe for like nothing. You know, you you yeah. like I, I took a, I took a, a plane for twenty five dollars, uh, like to Florence from uh, where was I? I think I guess it was in Liverpool or something, and uh, I took a plane to Florence for a day 
uh, for $25. <laughs> and, uh, so, and then from there, I had a friend who was in, in Prague. So I was like, ah, oh, fuck, you know, fuck Florence. This is, you know, uh, this is stupid. Um, fuck the medicis yeah and uh, i uh no you know i did i did my thing there but then i i I was planning on going to prague which was a a beautiful amazing city um i i didn't realize i was only going there for like again like two days and uh i i didn't realize how cold it was because it was like october but i you know it didn't even in england it was one temperature and then i'm moving you know uh uh east into europe right so basically i'm like wearing everything south, i had south too right i think so yeah <laughs> okay. um south north who knows it's it's over there <laughs> and uh you know we're hanging out and it was like the last night and uh i'm wearing pretty much everything i, I like everything i had my bag is empty like i'm just wearing layers and layers and layers um like I, I think I was right. I had like a Jets, a Jets sweatshirt, <laughs> like an old school, whatever yeah. Jets. It was like fuzzy. Joe Montana, right? No, that was uh, I don't know what he was. He's not Joe the Montana's Jets. the Jets. No, Joe Montana, not Joe Namath. Joe Namath, that's right. Sorry, my bad. Joe Namath, my bad. I spoiled. But the yeah, it was my <laughs> uncles from that. It was from that that era, pretty much. Um, I don't know why that has anything to do with anything, but. uh you know, I'm hanging out. It's my last night there, and uh, you know, I, I'm like, you know, so we're, we, you know, we're hanging out, we're drinking, and I say goodbye to like my friend and you know his his friends. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go back to my place. I have no idea where I am. Like, I just I had no clue like what it was called, and somehow now I'm just like lost. Like, I it's like I walked out of the door and I was just in this like other dimension, and. Uh, like I think they they have like a trolley system there that like shuts down at a certain time of night, and I just like did not know how to navigate the city otherwise. Right. So <laughs> I hail this cab, and I got in, and I had not a lot of money, but and I had no no way of describing or telling this guy where I was other than I was pretty sure it was by a tugboat. <laughs> So that that brings us to water. So that was good. But, so the guy's like, he, we're just like talking. He's like, come sit up here. So I go, the cab I go, and, sit, tell you yeah, to sit up there. he's like, why don't you come sit up here? Like, we'll we'll figure it out. And so now I'm sitting, I'm sitting up there in the front seat. I'm sitting in the front seat, the passenger seat. And, uh, you know, by the meter, which I was unsure of how I was going to pay for. And, uh, he goes, so uh, you like girls? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, of course I like girls. What are you like? What are you saying, bro? Like, of course I like girls. Yeah, what, what it's like, kind of it's is like that? you want, like, what do you think? You like, you wanna, you wanna, like, you wanna go find some girls or what? I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. So now, we're he like whatever takes a hard left, and we're now we're heading out of the city, oh, going up God. into these mountains, and. Uh, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me. I just don't even think it's weird. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm shit-faced. And uh, be like, yeah, man, I love girls. (laughs) So we're like now out of the city. We're like up in these like hills and these like mountains. I I couldn't even tell you how long we were driving for. And uh, he like stops in front of this like mansion. And he's like, 
all right, all right, buddy. Like you, you go in there. You just go in there. You tell him whatever his name. What you tell him, like, you know, this guy, so and so sent you, Sergey. Sergey. Yeah, we'll call him Sergey. And uh, you tell him, you know, Sergey sent you. Um, you, you know, you just go in. They'll take care. Of, they'll take care of you. And uh, like, I'll just wait out here. Wait for you. And I'm just like, what the fuck? All right, like, fuck it. Let's go. <laughs> and, uh, so I go up. You knock on the door. These two gigantic guys in suits like open the door and they, they let me into this like basic you know a, a brothel right and uh there are just women everywhere but like far back like i can i just like i know what i know what's going on i can tell but like they are very clearly like standing guard between me and them right and, and so they start to like they're like all right like you know give me give me your bags like you can take off some of this shit like cause i'm wearing like I don't know, like four shirts, you know, two pairs of pants. Oh my God. And uh, so I, I'm like, so now I'm standing there. I'm, yeah, I'm like, here's my bag. Here's my empty bag. And here, you know, I'm going down the layers. And uh, so now, so now I'm like, I'm like, okay, cool. So what, you know, now what? <laughs> and, uh, and you have no money. Well, yeah. Then they're like, all right, so here's the deal. They like lay out the price plan for me. And, uh, I'm just like, oh, okay, well, I don't have any money. And they're like, get the fuck out of here. And they basically, they threw me out and all my shit. Like, just like right out the front door. These two, like, I'm big. These guys were bigger, you know? Two they're just like, just, they're, yeah, they just it's too, you right know, out. grab, like, grab, grab, like, grab the back of my belt, you know, that, that move. And uh, they're just like, out you go, pal. Like, you fucking piece of shit, get out of here. And I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> which they should have beaten the shit out of me for it, but that's fine. Um, my taxi driver, Sergey, he's still out there. and goes, hey, buddy, that was fast, huh? <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, he's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, you know, I, I didn't really have enough money for that. And he's like, oh, all right, all right. I'll, I'll like, I'll take you back. So now we go back. And uh, maybe I guess I was like sobering up. The whole thing was sobering. So I'm oh, like, sure. okay, well. Like take me like take me back to like the main area of this like big the big square where there was like you know the revolution, and uh, they so I'm just like just take just take me back there. It's like it's getting later. Like I know the trolley is gonna start back up at like whatever five a.m. Like I'll just like I'll just hang out there and like I'll know like what to do. Right. And uh, so he's like, oh, like I no, I feel bad, man. Like I'll take you to this other place. I'll take you to this other place. Oh no. But this is like a ra- meters it, it was, Yeah, the meter's running. This is like, you know, uh, still out there, but it's basically like in this main area, but it, it's like a strip club. And then, you know, after 1 a.m., it turns into a brothel. Oh. And so he takes me there. And like, I'm not, I don't like, like, I'm not like a strip club guy, like at all. Uh, I think the whole thing is gross. But I needed like brothels. some brothels. Brothels are something different. Altogether. Brothels are fine. But they, uh, it's like he takes me to this other place and they're like you know i I, then they're just like all right come on in like it was a little bit more like this one the other one was like high class you know um real classy experience Uh, this other one was more of like this was like tours this is like this is like times this is like times square like strip club slash brothel and uh you know i go in there and then part of their whole deal was like, oh, well, you guys could have free Bud, you could have free Budweiser's, or, which are, you know, they originated there, or that was Holland, never mind. But it was free Budweiser's, whatever it was. 
And uh, I'm just like, all right, I guess I'll just camp out here and just like, and, and, you know, swat away these hordes of, of uh, <laughs> check hookers uh, who are trying to like <laughs> come on to me. And they're just like, again, it's like, it, it, it was very similar to the India thing where it's like, Hey, you're so sexy. I want to sex you. Like you're so different than everyone else here. I was like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Keep just like, just keep my eyes like on these beers. It's free beers. Um, and, uh, I eventually survived and got on my, my trolley and got back to my, did you uh, pay tug, the cab driver? Oh yeah. I guess I don't, I don't remember. I, I, I must've, I think there was, there's probably just, I think there was like an ATM, you know, like whatever outside of the, just the brothel. And I paid him, sent him on his way. But the funny thing or the scary thing about it is later on, I saw the movie Hostel. You ever seen that? No. Eli Roth. It's, I'm not a horror movie guy either, but like somehow I saw this thing and like almost the entire plot of it is the same as what I went through. What's the plot? It's like, it's basically like, hey, you like girls? Like come to this thing. And these girls like seduce these idiot American tourists and then they end up getting like kidnapped. I think it's like uh, like a murder. Like you you pay like whatever some money and you get to murder someone. And like there, these people become like victims. Like these American tourists, like just like get lost. And like now I'm like thinking, oh, Jesus Christ, like my friend thought I was getting on a plane. So he would have never like known I was missing. Like my parents, like during this whole time, had no idea because it was just like on a whim. I'm like, oh, like I can book this flight. Like, you know, I'm just going where I'm going. This is like pre, you know, internet, like pre smartphones. It's like I'd have to find like, you know, an internet cafe to like send an email saying, hey, by the so way, you would like, have gonna... just been missing. The only people I would have been gone, right? That would have just been completely gone. And it's funny that Jesse's referencing like Midnight Express and like this one. I'm like, man, this is fucking this was this was hostile. You're, you're Where, like, like I, I should have just disappeared. I was insane. So I have so, no, com- so you, 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 you escaped, you escaped with your life again. I escaped with my life again, but with no enlightenment, except you were no kind of a, no. you were a Karen to those prostitutes. I'm yeah, I was, I was back. there, I was there uh, drinking, all the, drinking all the free beers, but not, uh, oh. <laughs> not, not paying for any of the services. You are scum. Look at you. I, you, I you, know. you took, you take advantage of those service workers. Those poor girls. What are you going to do? Oh, poor girls. See, so, you know, not, not as interesting, but interesting. It was, so. you know, all those, all those stories are always, you know, I had, a, I didn't ever had any deranged, crazy stories like that. I mean, Europe, certain, there was a time when I was in Europe and there, it was certainly, you know, these East European prostitutes were definitely a thing. I still think that's the case. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do, John? Well, tell you what you're not going to do. Go ahead. <laughs> don't, don't have sex with a Czech prostitute. And that's a show. And I can't show. thank you enough. I can't thank you enough, John Ariani, a.k.a. Genghis John, a.k.a. Mahatma Jandi. Is that right? Yeah. Mahatma funniest Jandi. thing. Funniest thing Cliff's ever said. <laughs> that was Cliff. Cliff. Cliff's going to be on in two weeks. As long as we get our shit squared away, if we don't get our, I shit heard he doesn't away, have a computer. Then you're gonna, then I'm gonna have you back on. And you're gonna tell me another <laughs> yeah, I'll story. See if, I'll see you in two weeks. I've, I have no shortage <laughs> of uh, me getting drunk and doing stupid things. You better, you better cough up some more. Now, if you want to get a hold of John, go to on Instagram Sunset Forge NJ. 
and get yourself a hammer from him. He's my friend. Go over to follow us on Instagram at uh, the Full Blast Podcast, and that's where you can interact. You can send us questions. You can send us dilemmas, whatever. And if you go to iTunes, give us a five-star review and um, subscribe. And then if there are ads that you don't like on this podcast, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to help pay uh, for, for uh, Craig's, Craig's uh, future gambling uh, habit problems. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're trying to make it happen over here and, fo- and Oh, last but not least, I just want to do a couple plugs to some of the other podcasts on the makery network. If you have a chance, go listen to work for it. That's Brian house and Trent and Sarah. They do a real nice podcast. They've been super supportive of all the podcasts on the makery network. They've been great. And go listen to weigh in. Brian has the voice of a radio guy. It's a very, very deep. He's done something to that to make that voice. That voice is not organic. There's he's got a very soothing uh, uh, radio voice, and he and his wife Sarah did this. He stripped down and weighed himself, and they did. It was a perfect bit. So go follow those guys. And Trent, Trent seems like Trent seems like he's a little bit on the crazy side. He gets angry. He gets real angry. It's a great podcast. They do a real nice job. Go listen to um, Work For It, the Work For It podcast. Go give them some love. Go uh, handcraft, handcraft, handmade, handmade. That's Chris Zepp and uh, Paul Pinto and Derek from Malden. Go see the the Young Maker podcast. Go 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 over to the Makery and go check out what we're doing because it's good stuff. And the more we do, the better we do. The better that we do for you. So this has been another episode of uh, what podcast is this? Full Blast Podcast. We're going to be fooling around. I got uh, Jonathan Porter's coming up next week. Then Cliff Dufton. We got some other guys, and we're going to have some fun. And I appreciate you, John. Uh, I'm not sending you back because I love you. You're my boy. I said it all. Perhaps yeah. I've said too much. And that's the show. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye bye. Bye. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.